to freedom of religion or belief around the globe. Welcome to USERV Spotlight. I'm Dwight Bashir. Today we're going to talk about religious freedom developments in Iran, whose government we've again recommended in our recent 2021 annual report as a country of particular concern for its systematic, ongoing, and egregious uh, violations of religious freedom. On top of its severe violations, Iran is approaching several key political junctures. The country's leadership recently began engagement with the Biden administration over its nuclear program, and it's also set to hold presidential elections next month on June 18th. And the government of Iran continues to deal with widespread protests throughout the country against a host of political and social issues that have been ongoing since December uh, 2017. But one thing's for sure that's been consistent uh, for decades uh, is the regime's utter disregard for the rights of its people, particularly those religious minority communities who have run afoul of the government's narrow interpretation of Shia Islam that we'll hear more about today. And it's not just about religious minorities. Uh, the majority Shia Muslim population also must adhere to the religious strictures of the government. And if they have alternative or differing opinions, they'll suffer the wrath of the regime, whether it's harassment, surveillance, arrest, imprisonment, or even a death sentence for things like blasphemy or insulting religious sanctities. Today, we're fortunate to have with us USERF Commissioner Gary Bauer on hand to talk with us about Iran and how religious freedom issues there fit into the larger policymaking puzzle. Commissioner Bauer, thank you for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, Dwight, uh, to be with you to talk about this very important country. Excellent. Thank you. Well, why don't we just start off right off the bat uh, with some of uh, the key uh, concerns about Iran uh, that we've identified as they relate to religious freedom conditions in the country? Absolutely. Well, Iran is a large country of about 83 million people. They come from a, a variety of religious backgrounds. Uh, and over its history, they, they've actually been able, the different groups in Iran, to get along reasonably well. But since the 1979 Islamic Revolution, Iranians have been governed under a unique Shia religious doctrine that's known as the guardianship of the jurists. And that mandates that the country be led by a Shia Islamic scholar. Ayatollah, some people think is a government title. It's not. It's a title given not to the head of government, but rather to a Shia Muslim scholar who has attained a high degree of learning and scholarship in Shia religious jurisprudence. Uh, as such, Iran's leader, the Ayatollah Khamenei, holds his position because of the religious doctrine that was formulated by his predecessor. Iran's religious leadership doctrine means that the state, the government, imposes certain interpretations of Islam on all Iranians without their consent. There's no recognition here of the right of personal conscience or of a citizen forming, following their own heart and soul about these profound questions. So for example, women are forced to wear veils in public. The consumption of alcohol is illegal, except for certain religious minorities in very limited circumstances. Peaceful dissent from the state's religious doctrine can lead to charges of enmity against God. And believe it or not, that carries the death penalty. 
one of Yusuf's religious prisoners of conscience, Goro Girahi, has just had her prison sentence extended for a year for no apparent reason that we can determine. And listen to this. She's, she's in prison because of an unpublished short story criticizing the religiously grounded practice of stoning adulterous women to death. Now, we noted in our report late last year that Iran is also one of a handful of countries that actually executes members of sexual minorities and does so on religious grounds. Now, there's elections coming up, and we've detected a little bit of a leveling off of the deteriorating religious conditions in the country, but we expect that downward trend to continue as soon as those elections have passed. Well, thanks for that uh, overview. Now, how, how do some of these uh, broad political conditions affect people living in Iran? And can you describe uh, what life is like in Iran for some of these religious minorities, particularly for Baha'is or Christians, Jews and Sufi Muslims who face the worst uh, persecution at the hands of the government? Well, the, the Iran's Baha'i community is facing really an alarming uptick in persecution. For decades, Iran has considered them to be a deviant sect of Islam. They've shuttered their businesses. They've prevented them from accessing uh, public higher education. They've actually forced them to register their religion as Muslim on the national ID cards. Recently, Iran confiscated 27 Baha'i properties in, the, in one of the villages and scores of them have been arrested in the first few months of 2021 alone. As far as Christians, they're under pressure too. Iran recognizes some Christian minorities, but not others. Last year, a Christian man was actually flogged 80 times because he drank communion wine. Iran continues to harass and detain converts from Islam to Christianity. Uh, one such convert, Yusuf, religious prisoner of conscience, Pastor Yusuf Nadar Khani, has been in jail since 2018 on charges of acting against national security by promoting what Iran called Zionist Christianity. And that brings me to the condition of Jews in Iran. Um, the Jewish population in Iran used to be very vibrant. Uh, back in the 60s and 70s, there were estimates as many as 90,000 Iranian Jews lived in Iran. Uh, after the Iranian Revolution, that number uh, really declined because of the increased persecution. It's hard to get an exact number. Some, I believe our State Department's estimated there might still be 20,000 there. I, I've seen uh, estimates as low as 9,000. But uh, you can see why the population of Jews would be declining. Even last year, Iran, Iran announced yet another Holocaust denial cartoon content. Iran's leaders have tweeted about wealthy Zionists. Uh, these are really unacceptable things. A, a recent uh, Anti-Defamation League report found that Iran's textbooks contain anti-Semitic language about Jews and Zionism. And we had a hearing, um, I think it was early last year, where Elon Carr, who was the special envoy 
uh, for anti-monitoring, anti-Semitism, uh, told our commission that anti-Semitism is really one of the major uh, motivators of, of Iran's government, government. That in fact, they are the world's chief trafficker in anti-Semitism. And he went on to point out that anti-Semitism isn't ancillary to the ideology of the Islamic Republic of Iran. It's a central foundational component of the ideological regime of, of, uh, of Iran. So that's, uh, that's very disturbing. Uh, the problem is not only what Iran does to its own people, but what it threatens to do to the only Jewish state in the world. And then finally, the Sufis in Iran face systematic uh, mistreatment by Iranians' government. Uh, last year, prisoners, Sufi prisoners, were intentionally placed into wards with known cases of COVID-19. So the bottom line is that all religious minorities in Iran under, are under tremendous pressure, and there's really no signs of improvement. Yeah, thanks for that uh, overview. I, I, I really uh, agree that it's it's gotten worse and you would thought maybe there would be some releases because of COVID-19, but uh, it seems like they're even moving prisoners to, to potentially get in harm's way there. Um, as you know, one of the hot button issues here in Washington when it comes to Iran is the question of sanctions. Um, Yusuf has recommended targeted sanctions for years for uh, for accountability purposes. But can you go into more detail and tell us how do, how do these sanctions contribute to religious freedom or to try to, you know, influence the government's behavior? Well, there, there are a lot of different types of sanctions that the U.S. government uh, under several presidents has placed on Iran. Uh, and many of those sanctions don't directly relate to religious freedom. So we as a commission only take a position on the sanctions that do relate to religious freedom. These sanctions have been outlined in both laws passed by Congress and, and executive orders that target high-level Iranian officials who are responsible for religious freedom violations. USERF supports the use of those targeted sanctions against these high-ranking individuals. You know, religious persecution just doesn't happen in a vacuum. Actual individuals in government, organizations, parts of government, do the persecution. And we think from the interest of accountability that those individuals and those entities should be called out. It sends an important message when the U.S. government publicly calls out severe religious freedom violators and imposes consequences for their actions. And it sends a signal to others in Iran's government that they just can't harass, arrest, detain religious minorities with impunity. But, you know, I think at the same time, it also sends an important message to other governors, governments, both like-minded and those that are not like-minded, that the United States commits credibly to protecting religious freedom abroad. Uh, USERF is really pleased that the U.S. Treasury and the U.S. State Department specifically mentions religious freedom violations as a reason for imposing these sanctions. And we hope that the State Department can continue to impose visa bans on Iranian officials, preventing them from entering the United States. 
We also recommend a, the use of uh, these authorities where it would credibly cause an Iranian official to rethink committing further religious freedom violations. Now you've touched on obviously an important area that USERF had a profile on, on these uh, targeted sanctions. But as far as uh, our recommendations uh, related to uh, the new Biden administration, as they engage with the government uh, of Iran, uh, the Islamic Republic, over return to that nuclear deal from 2015, um, what, uh, what would you have to say about that? And, and what can Congress do uh, to advance religious freedom uh, there? As you know, I mean, the, there's, there's deals all the time, but uh, do you think religious freedom should be part of that? We, we strongly recommend that religious freedom be part of uh, everything the United States government, the executive branch and the legislative branch does in, in dealing with the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran. Now, look, there are, there are a lot of issues on the table, national security issues, economic issues, trade issues, and so forth. But it's imperative in our view that this fundamental right to religious liberty be kept front and center. We recommend in our 2021 annual report that uh, Secretary of State Blinken redesignate Iran a country of particular concern, and that subjects Iran to the full measure of consequences, which are outlined in detail in the International Religious Freedom Act. The State Department and Treasury, in our view, should also continue to impose sanctions on high-level religious freedom violators, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And as I said, while USERP doesn't take a position on nuclear negotiations, we certainly recommend to the uh, Biden administration that they raise these deeply concerning religious freedom violations anytime there's bilateral uh, negotiations going on between the two governments. The Congress and the administration can continue to push for the release of religious, religious prisoners of conscience in Iran, the administration can work with our partners in the International Religious Freedom or Belief Alliance uh, that can lead to a coordinated effort to advance religious freedom there. And finally, Congress should again pass the bipartisan uh, Ladenburg Amendment, which aids persecuted uh, Iranian religious minorities seeking refugee status in the United States. Uh, we think that uh, at USERP that the Iranian people who are living under this persecution uh, need to know that the United States cares deeply about them. And one of the ways that can happen is if the White House, the Congress, uh, all agencies of the federal government uh, speak out clearly on the right of everyone in Iran to follow their heart and their so when it comes to these fundamental questions about uh, how they worship or whether they choose to worship at all. Well, thank you very much uh, for those, those thoughts and also for mentioning the Lautenberg Amendment in particular, because that's been a lifeline for religious minorities who, who need to, to flee. And there have been some issues there with them getting held up in third countries. But uh, thanks for, for pressing that, that Congress should pass that again. Uh, unfortunately, we'll have to leave it right here, but I want to thank uh, USERF uh, Commissioner Gary Bauer for his insights today and for his leadership on the commission 
as his term is uh, coming to an end shortly. His relentless efforts in calling out abuses in Iran, as well as the ongoing genocide in China, to his concerns about anti-Semitism globally, uh, to raising uh, severe violations in Russia and other places around the world. He has been a vocal and leading advocate for religious freedom during his tenure on the commission, and we truly appreciate his service. Thank you very much for those comments. It's been a pleasure to work with you and the entire professional staff at, at USERP. Well, thank you very much. Thanks again, uh, Commissioner Bauer. Uh, you can find our reporting and policy recommendations on Iran in our uh, new uh, 2021 annual report on our website at www.uscirf.gov. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on USERF Spotlight. To learn more about USERF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's you.